0: Well, Welcome everyone. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I want to tell you last Sunday was Easter Sunday morning and last Sunday, you're not going to believe it, we had over 12,000 people that were watching the services live last Sunday. In fact, the number was over 12,000. It was closer to 13,000 than 12,000. And it is absolutely shocking. We've never had anything like that ever in the history of our church. And God is just widening our boundaries. He is giving us the opportunity to touch people we never dreamed possible. And we thank God for it. Now, I'm going to ask you to be praying for some of our members. We know of 10 of our members who now have the coronavirus. Two have just walked out of that and they're getting, they're, they're getting well again and strong and vibrant, but there are some who have just contracted the virus this last week and there are others in different phases along the way. And we're convinced that we don't know everybody, so it may be far many more than 10 of our members, but we're asking you to pray every single day. The very moment you wake up, we're going to ask you at that very moment, would you just say a prayer for every one of these individuals who are struggling with this virus right now. You may not know their names, but God does. And so take them before the throne of God every morning as you wake up. This morning we begin a new series entitled Authentic Christianity. It comes from the book of James and the very last passage in the chapter 1 of James all the way to the end of chapter 4. And James is helping us now to understand what does it mean to be a, a true Christian, a Christ-like person walking with God. What does that actually look like? What is an authentic Christian Really? What does an authentic Christian do? What is authentic Christianity in our life? And this morning, I want to talk to you about the subject of real versus fake. There was a guy who really wanted to make a difference in his neighborhood, and he decided he would go, go walk do- door to door in his neighborhood, knock on the door, ring the doorbell, and he did. He went to every single home in his neighborhood just to introduce to them about his church. Yay, God for this guy. And one of the places that he rang the doorbell with was a woman and came to the door, and he said, Ma'am, would you allow me to tell you about my church? And she said, Oh, my goodness, no. The religion I have right now makes me miserable. I don't want any more. That's pretty sad, isn't it? There really is a difference between real religion that is supernatural and a fake religion that is superficial. Now we as Christians don't view Christianity as a religion. We view it as a relationship with a holy God. It is a real life change that happens in us in our relationship with God. But when James talks about Christianity with the word religion, understand he is talking about the greatest aspect of that religion could possibly be. So listen now to what he says in James chapter 1 verses 26 and 27. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world when God thinks about the word religion he is thinking about life change in Christ so how much is your life changing? what is really being transformed in your life? well before we dig into what James is talking about in this passage I want to say what he is not talking about. James is not saying this is how we become a Christian. This is how we get saved by doing these good deeds. Because James knew, just like we know, that we are saved only by the grace of Almighty God through faith in Jesus Christ alone and nothing else that we do. This is what the Bible says in Titus chapter, five, chapter 3 verse 5 when he says God saved us not because of righteous things that we have done but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. James is not saying, okay, here's how you become saved. This is how you go to heaven. James is already assuming all these people that he's talking to have made that profession of faith in Jesus Christ. He's really saying, now what kind of Christian are you? Are you real? Are you authentic? Or are you a fake? We have in our church four different generations that represent our congregation. The older of our our generations are called boomers. And there's really two categories of boomers, two age groups of boomers. It really comes down to, at least right now, about those who are around age 56 and above. And then the next generation is called the X, Gen X generation. And it's those people who are about, today, around 40 years of age, all the way to about 55 years of age. Now, I am just a little bit past 56, so I am a boomer. And i got to tell you, boomers are really, really good people. And then the third generation is called the Y generation or the millennial generation. That's about around now uh, the age of about 25 all the way to about 39. And then the last of those four generations are the Z generation. And that's about the age 10. Those who are around the age 10, all, of the, all the way to about age 24 or 25, which means my two oldest grandchildren, Jude and Emily, are z Now, I want to tell you about these millennials and these Z-generations. Now, they've not left God. They've not left Christianity. They have left phony Christianity. They have left fake Christianity. Please don't give us a religion that is just filled with ritual but doesn't have any real life change about it. We're not interested in a religion in which you act like an angel on Sunday and you act like the devil on Monday. We're asking for something that is authentic something that's real, something that really changes our lives, something that really helps other people. We're looking for a Christianity that genuinely loves other people. I'm going to tell you, I think these last two generations, if there is going to be revival that happens in America, it's going to be because of the influence of these two generations that are crying out to God, give us something that is authentic. And I believe God will bring revival through that kind of a commitment. So are you authentic? What is authentic Christianity? Well, that is what James is introducing to us in these two verses. And the first thing that James says to us is, we know that our Christianity is for real by how well we control our tongue. Oops, we, we, we didn't expect that to come. We didn't see that one coming. But that's what he says. See in verse 26, if anyone thinks himself to be religious yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. That's what James says in the verse. It's the very same thing that Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34 when he says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. There's an old farmer saying that what is down in the well comes up in the bucket. And Jesus is essentially saying the same thing. What is in your mind, and your heart, which is your mind, what, what is in your mind comes out of your tongue. Be careful what you allow in your mind. What that means is there are some movies we should not see. There are some websites we should not go to. There are some music, there's some music we shouldn't listen to, there's some things we should not do, there are some things we should not read, because they are poison to our mind. They are poison to our heart, and they change who we are, and who we should be. I've been told that in the Swiss Alps, that that if there is a loud enough word that is spoken with the right pitch, it can actually create an avalanche. Well, I'm here to tell you that there are plenty of words that have created an avalanche of tears and judgmental spirit and angered hearts and wounded souls because of a tongue that is out of control. I've had people in every church I've pastored, and even in this church, I've had people that have said to me, look, I speak my mind. I say whatever it is I think, and I let the chips fall where they may. And they say it in such a way as though to brag. But God never told us to say everything that comes to our mind. In fact, he told us not to. He told us to bridle our tongue. And what these individuals are actually saying is, I have left awake wherever I've been of wounded hearts and of tears and of of hurt and anger because I have a tongue that is not in control. This is what Jesus is saying when Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 12, verse 37, For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Earlier in James chapter 1, you remember, he said to us, Be swift to listen, and slow to speak, and slow to anger. Our families memorized that verse together. And now, James says to us in James 1, verse 26, If someone thinks himself to be religious, you really think you're a, a great Christian? and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless, is fake, is phony. Authentic Christianity means that we control our tongue. Second of all, we know that our Christianity is for real by how much we care for others in need. Listen to what he says in verse 27. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father to visit orphans and widows in their distress. We're to have a closed mouth and an open heart. In the book of Psalms, God says this about himself. In Psalms chapter 68 and verse 5, he is a father of to the fatherless. He is a defender of widows. Is God in his holy dwelling? How much like God are you? Why does he mention orphans? Why does he mention widows? Because in Bible times, these were the two groups of people that could not defend themselves. They they could not provide for themselves, not in Bible times. And if somebody did not care about them, did not rush in to help them, where would they be? What is going to happen to them? The orphans represent those who needed protection. And the widows demonstrates those who needed provision. And it's not that that he is giving to us, James is giving to us, the whole list. It's just two representatives for the list. He is talking about those who are under-resourced. Those who are in need. And he says if you really are a true Christian, you will help those people that cannot help themselves. You won't just sit around and say, well, I hope everything turns out okay for you. You'll have a heart of compassion and care, and you will restore, and you will help. And in fact, Jesus said this to us, that when we are doing something for someone else, who is in need, we're actually doing it for Jesus. He says this in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 40 when he says, in as much as you did for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you have done it for me. So every time you have taken food to somebody that is in need of food, you took Jesus' food. Every time you helped someone else who was in need, you did it for Jesus, so when did you help Jesus this week? When did you reach out and care for Jesus this week? There's a verse in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. Look at what it says. He says, but whoever has this world's goods, stop right there. Maybe you're retired and you have retired fine and well and you, you can take care of your expenses and you can buy your food. This is great. Now, he is talking to you, whoever has this world's goods. What it, maybe it is all of those who have jobs. If I understand correctly, one-fourth of the workforce lost their jobs, but three-fourths of the workforce still has them. And you have your job. He's talking to you and me. And he says this. He says, whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him. How does the love of God dwell in your heart? You have resources. You have funds. Maybe it's not a ton of funds, but it's some. And you have enough. And you see somebody else in need in their life, and you shut your eyes, and you turn your face, and you say, I'm not going to help that person. And the Bible says to you, how in the world can you say that the love of God dwells in your heart? A few weeks ago in this pandemic, we put together the the HOPE initiative. And the whole idea of the HOPE initiative is that there are are under-resourced people who don't have enough food right now. And we're going to do something about it. We're going to reach out and help and care for other people, not just ourselves. And thus far, we have been able to take care of about 250 people, and that isn't counting Richmond-Rosenberg. That is into the hundreds and hundreds of people in Richmond Rosenberg. Why? Because these people are without a job. They're the first ones to get fired. And what do they do now? Where do they find food to feed their families? And God has laid this on us and we said look Second Mile has plenty of food and we're going to help them. We're going to distribute this food. But now Second Mile doesn't have plenty of food and we can understand why. They've given it all out and now what do we do? And here's what we've said with this hope initiative. What we're asking you to do is for us to give food. That when you go to the grocery store and you shop and you get all the things that you need at the grocery store, that you then, once you've gotten that, you buy for someone else. When you order food, and it is delivered to your house, that you don't just order enough to take care of you. You order enough to take care of you, and then you think of another family that doesn't have food, and you order for them as well. That we think outside of us and outside of our situation. And then every single Wednesday, every Wednesday, every single Wednesday from 10 to to 12 on two campuses, on the Missouri City campus, at the offices on the Sugarland campus every Wednesday. From 10 to 12, we'll have trucks that are available, and we're asking, oh, please come, because there is a need for food. We don't have enough food, and we're asking, order food more than you need, and raid your pantry, whatever you need to do, or get food, and bring it. From 10 to 12, on two campuses, and then take the food out of your car and put it into that truck. You can have your mask on, your gloves on, whatever you want to have on, and then go back in your car and off you go. You're totally safe, but you have blessed somebody else. And we're asking others to: Would you volunteer? Go to the website to to the Hope Initiative. Go on the church app and then register yourself to be one of these people that will deliver food. You got to go on on the website on the church church app. You got to register that you will deliver food and go and do it. We will then take you, send you to Second Mile. That's where the food that is is located. We've taken the food we collected on Wednesday there, and then. You you'll be given bags, and you've got an assignment, and you take the food to this family. And every time you do it, you're giving food to Jesus. That's what he said. So let me read just two quick stories of just two of these deliveries. One delivery was made to a woman named Lori. She was in quarantine, so she left They left her her items at the back of her patio and then let her know when they had dropped them off. She was so busy trying to talk to her utility companies to make payment arrangements. She had lost her job. I asked her, this person who wrote this, said, I asked her to give me a list of what she needed and I was able to give some of that to the first week and I said, next week I'll give you more of that list. And she was so thankful for everything that she could get and sent us a wonderful message after we had dropped some things off. And I sent her the link to watch church online at Sugar Creek Baptist Church. The second one is, my husband and I went to see Mr. Charlie on Wednesday. He is 86 years old. He is disabled in a wheelchair, and he lives by himself in a duplex. He is such a sweet, happy guy. He said he rides his scooter to a nearby church, or he watches on TV. And he was very thankful for the food, and he he encouraged us to come back. And I handed him the three circles track. It's a gospel track that we use that shares with a person how they can know Christ as Savior. But he can't read. And he can't hear that well. So his niece came and read him the three circles track. And she said, my husband prayed over him for his health and safety. And we said, hey, we'll see you next week. Every time we do this, every time we're bringing food to the trucks, 10 to 12, on Wednesdays to one of the two campuses, we're giving food to Jesus. Every time we take a, a sack full of food to somebody in need that is under resource, what do they do if we don't show up? We're giving food to Jesus. Who do you know that needs when this pandemic began Kathy and I had built a friendship with a Latino family and uh, he and she do not speak much English uh, the the conversations don't get very far but their children are fluent and we decided right then and there every week we're going to go shopping for them and that's what we've done and we we try to find things we go shopping try to get things that the kids would like and things that maybe the, this couple would need they're hard workers They are so hard workers and they provide for themselves, but we know that they're not getting enough. And so we're just trying to bridge a little bit of the gap. They're proud people and I'm glad they are. They never ask ever for anything. But they're grateful. For what we've been giving them. And I'm just saying to you, you and I can make a profound difference in this moment doing what Jesus told us to do, to care for other people, to give, to meet their needs. And I'm going to tell you, these people in Rich and Rosenberg, these Latino families... Who don't have jobs that, that have been cut out of jobs and they want to work and they but they don't have enough to get by, and we're coming and we're giving them food and we're helping them. I'm gonna tell you when Richmond Rosenberg launches, these individuals are gonna to come to our church and they're gonna hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and give their heart to Christ. And this is our moment to care. To care for somebody who's in need. And I'm asking you, just like the scripture says in 1 John, how can we see someone in need and turn our heart and say we don't see them? How in the world could we say that the love of God dwells in us? I've read at least 10 places in Scripture that says that when there is someone who is a foreigner, who is is from another country that's in your country, you are to treat them with love and kindness and treat them with self-respect. That's not a political statement. It's a Bible statement. Whoever it is that we find that is in this country that we are to... Treat them with love and kindness and self-respect and care for them. It is a Bible statement. And what a great moment for us to do this now. The truth is, our willingness to love and help those who are hurting, no matter who they are, is an evidence that our Christianity is real. Now I want to make a balancing statement. If there are people who don't work because they don't want to work but they could work and don't try to take care of themselves but they should and they could who don't spend their money wisely, who don't take care of their own responsibilities. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says don't feed them. Don't give them any food. They'll get hungry enough and they will straighten up their lives. But if they are trying and they can't make it. It is our moment to show them the love of Jesus Christ. And this is part of the reason that we are now this weekend opening up to all of the members of our church and those who, are, who have been visiting our church for quite a while to say to you, if you've lost your job, we want to do our very best as a church to help you We don't have unlimited funds, we have very limited funds. We can't take care of all the needs, but we want to help as much as we can help. Members of our church and those who have been coming to our church for a long time, we want to help. We can't help everybody, but we can help our own. And so here's what we're asking. There is right on the website. You can go to, to that link on our church's website that, can we help you? Can, can, we're here for you financially. You can click that and there is a, a, a list of qualifications, of responsibilities. And then there is a place where you can sign up or on the church app. You can see it right there. And you can go through what are the requirements. There is a group of volunteer leaders in our church And some pastors in our church that got together for the last two weeks have put together all of the list of qualifications, what the requirements, and we're going to follow that list. But if you meet that, we would love, we want to help you. We've got limited funds, not unlimited funds, but we want to help as much as we can help and be Christ for you, be a help for you. One of the ways in which we demonstrate authentic Christianity is that we help other people in need. The third is this. He says authentic Christianity helps others that are in need, but then I know that my Christianity is for real by how purely I live my life. Notice what he says in verse 27. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father to visit the orphans and widows in their distress distress, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. That phrase unstained is simply an English word that translates out in English to stay clean. God has told us, I don't want you to look like an angel on Sunday and live like the devil on Monday. I want you to stay clean. This verse is talking about being different from the world, sort of like a submarine in the ocean. A submarine in the ocean is in the water, but not of the water. Because if that submarine becomes of the water, it ceases to serve its purpose and it dies. And in the same way us. We are to be in the world but not of the world. We're to be different from the world. Because if we become like the world. We cease to serve our purpose for the name of Jesus Christ. We are deterrent for people coming to know Christ. Instead of helping others to know Jesus. No, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 16, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Not the buildings that we go to for church. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore you come out from among them, meaning the world. Come out from among the world and be separate says the lord what he means is that there are some movies we shouldn't go to that there are some websites we shouldn't go to there are some music we shouldn't listen to there are some things we shouldn't do would be different that's what it means to be salt in life it means that we are different from the world and if we're not different from the world The world looks at us as being fake and phony. What do you have to say to me? I've had people that say, well, give me a list of all these things I'm not to do or not to say or not to go to. Well, that's the fastest way for me to become a Pharisee. No, you make a list. And here it is. What is it that keeps us away from God? That's what we need to push away from our life. There was a guy who was a hiker and he was out hiking out in, the, in, in um, the clear area and all of a sudden he saw what he was just stunned by. A magnificent moment in which this huge eagle just suddenly lifts up off of the ground. Comes, dunk, comes down, grabs something, lifts up. And he grabs a weasel and this huge eagle is flying with his his claws into this weasel and he's taking the weasel back to his nest to kill it and eat it and this guy is just watching this whole flight and all of a sudden the flight stops and then the eagle and the weasel drop like a rock and they die on impact this guy thought what in the world has just happened and it was close enough That he went over to look and he saw there was the dead weasel. There was the dead eagle. And then he saw what had happened. The whole time the eagle is taking the weasel to the nest to kill it and eat it. The weasel is eating the eagle. And finally gets to the eagle's heart and kills what was going to kill him. What is it that you have compromised in your life with? What is it that you have allowed to come in your heart? And it is eating your heart out. It is destroying you. It's poisoning your mind and your heart and your life. God says, no, you've got to be separate. You've got to push away that which is destroying you. And you've got to cling to me. What is happening in your life right now? What is pushing you away from God? What is keeping you from being an authentic Christian? The world is not tired of Christianity. The world is tired of phony Christianity. And when the world sees true Christianity in us, they're interested in what we have. There was a senior adult woman, just a wonderful woman. Not a lot of people knew her now, and she, didn't, she wasn't around a lot, of other, a lot of other people, but she was around a young man, and she, she felt like God was leading her to witness to this young man, and she led this young man to Christ. And the young man's name is Charles Kettridge. And Charles Kettridge, then along with four other men, founded the Gideons organization that put all these Bibles in all of these hotels and motels all over this country and around the world. And thousands and tens of thousands of people have come to know Jesus Christ because of those Bibles. And it began with a senior adult woman who said, God, you're not finished with me. God would you use me to lead some young man to Jesus Christ. Would you open up your heart and be real? Oh God, I want authentic Christianity in my life. I want to be real and not fake. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that you would move in hearts that are listening this morning. That you, Father, are are speaking by your Holy Spirit into their lives and saying it is time to clean up some things. And make some things right. God, I pray that you would help us to learn how better and better to control our tongue, to bridle our tongue, to care for others, recognizing that whoever it is that we're caring for, we're caring for Jesus. (sighs) To not turn a blind eye, but be a help and Father, to live for you. We're not perfect but we can be authentic. Oh God, use us. We pray in the hearts and lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so grateful that you're a part of this service. You know, you can tell someone else about the service. They can catch a rebroadcast, and I wish you would. I want to remind you that... We have a purpose as a church. And would you say it with me? Our purpose is to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. God bless you. Have an awesome week. And I'll see you back next Sunday.